couldn't produce this podcast without our many sponsors. So at this time, let's take a listen to one of our amazing partners. Welcome to Racing Girls Rock podcast presented by the Women's Motorsports Network. I'm Melinda Russell, the founder and CEO. I also founded the International Women's Motorsports Association and the Women's Motorsports Network News online magazine. Today's episode is brought to you by our official travel planner, Brittany Heisinger. Brittany specializes in Disney trips, but can book any trip anywhere you want to go from Hawaii to Houston, Alaska to Australia, or anywhere in between. Last year, she helped over 100 families plan magical vacations to Universal Studios, Disneyland and Disney World, Mount Rushmore, Las Vegas, Cabo, Hawaii, Aruba, and Iceland, to name a few. In just her first year since joining the Smart Moms Travel Group, she's won the Rising Star Award, the Top Paid Agent Award, and won a rewards trip. She hit her sales goal, joined Team Fantasyland at her agency, became a Walt Disney World pass holder and Magic Key holder, and more importantly, has made lifelong friends. You can connect to Brittany on this Instagram at travelwithzing or give her a call at 602-291-5144. Check out the show notes for more information and tell her Melinda sent you. And now it's time for this week's show. Hello, everyone. This is Melinda Russell with Women's Motorsports Network and Racing Girls Rock podcast. My guest today is Mercedes Lilienthal. Mercedes and I met through someone else that I had connected to, and they said that uh, I should talk to Mercedes and learn about her and her motorsports journey. And so that's what we're going to do today. So Mercedes, welcome to the show. And why don't we start by you just sharing a little bit about yourself, your family, where you live, whatever you're comfortable with. Well, thank you so much, Melinda. Uh, I appreciate being on the show. Thank you for having me. Sure. Um, so gosh, uh, background for me, it's, it's quite uh, varied. It's very different than a lot of other people. Um, I grew up uh, with German parents that emigrated from Germany. Um, my dad was bo born in Yugoslavia, but uh, he emigrated to Germany. And then in the 60s, my parents came over via job opportunity. Um, he was a welder, blacksmith, and a fabricator at the time, and he wanted to own his own business. And back then in Germany, you had to be an apprentice for a couple of years. And he said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to work on automobiles and do what I need to do and do welding and everything in the land of opportunity. Um, so my, my mother and my father uh, basically moved in the 60s to Chicago with a sponsor at the time. Um, they didn't know a word of English, but they made their way. Uh, and so Fast forward, my sister was, was born uh, and, and um, she's six years older than I am. I was born in 75 and we were born in the Midwest. She was in Chicago, I was in central Wisconsin and they ended up making their own way. I mean, it was a lot of hardship but there were some triumphs too. And they uh, ended up having just the two of them with a welding fabricating shop in central Wisconsin. Um, just the two of them in a hoist. So as a kid, I was always around um, just, you know, kind of a shop rat, just hanging out after school or whatnot. And my dad always had different vehicles, whether they're, you know, HD trucks, like heavy duty trucks or, um, you know, with snow plows or uh, cranberry boggers because Wisconsin at the time and still they do a lot of cranberry implementation, um, you know, all sorts of things. So I was always helping to just, you know, tinker on things, whether it's um, helping cars at home, whether it's a uh, holding a flashlight or, or 
um, helping to touch up the paint or just, you know, <laughs> hanging out while he's working on cars. So um, my background's always been in cars. I've always been in cars and, um, you know, fast forward to college. I loved the low rider scene and the, you know, import scene and, and met my husband uh, in 2000 on the way down to a, a, a low rider show or an import show, I should say rather, down in Chicago. Um, and so we've been together ever since and he's a big gearhead as well. So um, although my background is, is mainly in imports uh, and, you know, low riders and just customized type of vehicles in 2006, uh, we moved to Oregon and he got a job in the off-road industry. Um, and so we said, all right, you know, let's buy our first four by four. And at that time we didn't know what the heck we were doing. And we bought a little, you know, a uh, 1995 Suzuki sidekick, um, that teal color. So if you look up the teal tear online, you'll be able to see everything about the build and learned our way. And, um, you know, I think, you know, my husband and myself, we've kind of coined the phrase that we're all united by horsepower. And for me, it doesn't matter if it's lifted, lowered, customized, bone stock, EV, you know, four by four, whatever, what have you, it's, it's all about the passion of it. And if you're an automotive enthusiast, um, just see where the world can take you, you know, what that vehicle and that mode of transportation can take you. That's a very interesting story. And the fact that your parents came here, knew no English, how brave they were. They, you know, they were, and they moved in, in, uh, in January and back in the sixties, um, women wore dresses or they wear skirts and, and, and things like that. And so my mom learned very quickly when there was snow that equaled the sides of the cars or almost up to the roofs as they it was back in the day in Chicago, she learned very quickly what pants were. Um, you know, when they first came through, they actually came through Ellis Island. Um, they didn't know how to ask for food and they didn't know where to get food or how to say anything. And they, they found a hot dog street vendor on the side of the street and they ate hot dogs for three days straight. And to this oh. day, she won't even eat any more hot dogs. <laughs> wow. They made their yeah. way. They made their way and they wanted to come to the land of opportunity. And we don't often think about people that see America like that, because we take it for granted, don't we? Right. Born to yeah. yeah. In a lot yeah. of ways we do, because we have all these opportunities at our fingertips and we, we often forget unless it's reminded, we're reminded of it, but in some way that, um, we are very lucky. We do have a lot of options and to be able to be women and involved in some kind of motorsports. Um, we're recording this on Two, two, twenty-two. By the way, I just noticed that, and um, I also see that today is National Women, National Women in Sports Day, or something like that. So, oh, cool! That's a kind of cool day that we could be recording a podcast. So it is, it is. Yeah. So, Mercedes, tell me, what are you involved in now, as far as motorsports? Oh gosh, what am I not involved in? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I am, so to preface that a little bit, um, when we moved to Oregon at that time, I was, um, I had graduated from college. I put myself through college after my father died in 98 and I went to school for interior design. Uh, and so I was a commercial interior designer and project man manager for many years. Um, when I decided that I just, I, I needed a change in my life. Um, I wanted to feel fulfilled in ways that I wasn't feeling like I was being, you know, I was happy and I was getting what I wanted to learn and, and just where I needed to be and where I wanted to be. And um, so pun intended, um, I switched gears and decided to become full-time freelance. And uh, with that is a whole host of different um, opportunities and also challenges. And 
Um, to me now, I'm an automotive journalist and I also do various PR and marketing efforts for automotive clients. So it's 99.9% .9 all automotive related um, on the work front of it. But then I also do um, some you know, major off-road rallies or on-road rallies, um, both with my husband or with other women. Um, so I've been doing that for the last couple of years. So whether I'm competing or covering it as media, I've got my hands full in a lot of different rallies and time speed distance competitions and things like that as well. Yeah, so that's how we got connected. Somebody told me that you were racing in a rally. And nice. so um, why don't you tell me a little bit about that and what it involves and like sometimes you do it with your husband as a co-driver, I assume, or whatever. Um, for people who don't know anything about rally racing, and I don't know a lot about it, educate us. Tell us about it. Gosh, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, not more than an hour because right, 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 right. total fun, total fun. Um, yeah. in, in a nutshell, um, there's all different kinds of rallying. Um, the rallying that, that I like to compete in isn't necessarily a rally race. It's a rally against time. So specifically there's time speed distance rallies. So you have to be at speed on time, go in the right directions because they have a route book. So you all have, a, you know, you don't necessarily have a map or GPS. It, it might be all traditional with just what your car has for an odometer. And you have to say, all right, 0.23, you know, miles turn left onto whatever, and then go 37 miles per hour or, or what, you know, what have you. So, um, you know, whether it's the Alcan 5000 rally, which has been around since the eighties, um, my husband and I have done that twice. Um, we took a 1991 um, uh, Mitsubishi Pajero right-hand drive diesel all the way up to the Arctic Ocean in the middle of winter. And that was almost, uh, that was over 5,000 miles. I think by the time we were said and done with the competition, it was uh, a little over 5,100 miles wow. in the winter. He was the driver and I was the co-driver. So I was the navigator. Um, the rally, that same Alcan 5000 rally, the summer version is coming up this uh, August. So even though it's not formally announced, we will be competing in that as well. Again, him as the driver and me as the co-driver. Um, but I also do, I also drive. So, um, I do rallies as a driver and then I have a navigator. So, um, I've done a couple of major competitions. Uh, they're called the Robel rally. I've competed in 2018 as a privateer. And then in 2021, on behalf of Volkswagen of America, um, the Robel rally is unique in the fact that it is all women and is traditional navigation. So there's no GPS, no laptops, no tablets. They're all confiscated, taped up to you know the point where you can't, it takes you 20 minutes to untape them because you can't, you're not allowed uh, to use them. You use a map and compass and then a, a route book. So um, it's, it's a very challenging competition because not only do you have to have a navigator that knows where she's going and what, and how to take certain headings with a compass and, and you as yourself as a driver too should know that, um, you know, it's all off-road. So you're in California, Nevada, and you do about 14 to 1500 miles and you're in eight days together, seven days of competition with just the two of you. So you gotta like each other, whether it's your husband or your teammate of any sort, um, you know, you're stuck in a steel box together with a you know, multiple thousands of miles. So it can be a lot of fun. It's very rewarding. It's very enriching, but it's also very challenging. So let me ask you this, um, a couple things. So when it's you and your husband, you're the navigator. Mm -hmm. Is he patient about if you're not sure or are you, do you get a chance to see the route and everything ahead of time to <laughs> kind of work, learn it or they just give it to you the day that you start the race? 
That's a great competition or a great question um, about the competition. Um, for the Alcan 5000 rally, they have a, um, it's a, like a plastic, you know, spiral bound book. And it literally is a book. It's about half an inch thick. And, you know, it is, it's, you know, 5,120 miles of, you know, point by point turns and directions and, and how long you need to, you know, go and, and when you need to have your TSD, your time speed distance sub rally within this competition. So in that particular rally, you know, you might have a morning TSD. So, uh, you know, maybe 20 or 30 miles of, you, you have to be timed on point, on route, certain speeds and get to that absolute closest, most perfect time as you can. But then you might have a transit of 400 miles to get to an afternoon competition. So it's a very different, interesting, um, you know, a set of, of requirements. And, and my husband's awesome. He's, he's a great listener. He's, um, he's a great person to understand, okay, if I have so much in my head going on all at the same time, and if I might start getting flustered, you know, he's, he's great about saying, okay, step back, let's slow down, let's stop before we keep on going if we don't know where we're going and let's kind of reconfigure. You know, there are points where sometimes it gets, you know, a, lead, a lot, a little bit heated per se as to, oh gosh, you know, oh, we went the wrong way and we got to go this and this and, and reconfigure and figure everything out. And, but that is with every, any race right. or any rally or any competition. Um, and, you know, I actually am wearing um, a leather bracelet that he got me, he had made for Christmas and it says, remember the pinky swear. And I love this so much because with Andy and me, and I, I've now done it for the Bell Rally with my uh, competitor, Emily and myself, um, I pinky swear in, in the beginning of every day of major competition, because to me, it's all about good communication, compromise, staying calm, and just being cool and collected. Um, and so if we try to keep remembering that, we do a pretty good job being a team together. And we haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> and I'm not, I don't plan to, so. No, <laughs> hopefully not. So, but you don't get that book of instructions till the, you start the race? Right. Usually, it depends. I mean, with the Rebel Rally, the navigators, um, they have to um, take a plotter and their map rulers and plot out certain checkpoints to be able to get. And they get those. It could be a set of maps during that day. It could be two sets of maps for the next two days. But usually you don't see them until you're right there. Um, I've done some local time speed distance rallies where they will email you the route book where, you know, you could, I guess, theoretically go out earlier and just run the route and see if where the traps are. Cause sometimes they'll try to trick you and trap you into going the wrong direction. But, you know, for the major ones that I've done in my, in my past, they've usually just said, all right, here's a book, go. Exactly. So you said something about, um, if I caught it right, that you have to go, like it might say in the book go half a mile at 37 miles per hour. So right. is that right? It tells you how far to go, what speed to go. And then there's a, there's a certain time like 2 p.m. And it, you want to get as close to that time, to that point as you can. Basically, yes. So you have the certain speed that you need to go, a certain distance you need to go before your next directional change. So for instance, they might say, turn right at 0.23 miles or kilometers. We run them in either kilometers or miles, depending on the, the rally. Um, so 0.23 miles, turn left onto Smith Road, then change your cast, which is change average speed to uh, 23 miles per hour. And then you keep doing that and you have to keep trying to figure out, okay, you know, you have to slow down to turn, but you got to speed back up to try to catch up because you slowed down there. And then 
depending on what number car you are out, let's say if all the cars start at 8 a.m., first car's out at eight, eight o'clock, maybe the second car, if they stage them every two minutes is out at 8.02, then 8.04, then 8.06. So let's say if you're car 26, you have to add on 26 minutes to each start of when that is. So then you mm -hmm. actually start at 8.26. So if it says you arrive at, you know, bunker number five, I don't know, but, you know, at, at this place at 10 o'clock, well, your arrival for your exact car is 10.26. Wow. So you've got to really have somebody who's good at math, who's calm, and who is not directionally challenged. My husband, could never, he could never be the navigator. I mean, we, we tried yesterday to go find some trails here uh, close to the RV park. And he, he thought he knew right where he was going. And I finally Googled it. And I'm like, Mark, we went completely the wrong direction and, oh. and it's not far from the house. And so I'm all, he drives and I navigate. And so that's, and that's how, that's how right. Theory. Right. Yeah. That's very similar to Andy and myself. Um, he is an excellent, excellent driver. I, I trust him with my life on road, off road, ice, snow, mud, whatever it is. He's, he's an excellent driver. Um, and he always has been, and he's learned so many great off-road skills in 06 when he got the job as, um, in the off-road industry, he works for a company called Warren industries, which Warren makes, um, premium, uh, winches. If you know what truck winches are with a spool yeah. cable, whether it's synthetic or, yeah. or wire rope. Um, hubs, uh, aftermarket bumpers, all sorts of stuff. So that's where he learned how to do it all. He had to learn how to do it all because he's in the PR department. He's one of the marketing managers. So yeah, you you have to be out there with the media, with um, you know clients, with customers, and you yeah. got to teach winching classes and all that type of stuff. And through that, he's got such a great base of expertise for all different types of terrain. So whether it's slick rocks of you know Moab or the Arctic. Uh, snow that's negative 40 degrees, you know, Fahrenheit, and it's really weird snow compared to Midwest or even Oregon snow. If we yeah. get so, um, yeah, so he's, he's a great driver. And, and, you know, I don't necessarily say I'm an awesome navigator. Um, you know, I navigate, <laughs> but uh, I think it's a great pairing. And, you know, as far as the Rebel Rally and some other competitions with me as a driver, um, I think, yes, it definitely helps to have somebody that is directionally exceptional, um, but it's also very important to have somebody that uh, can get along with you very well. So that can understand when you're starting to get frustrated, when you're hungry, if you're tired, you know, if you're really happy or just if, if you need to just take a chill for a second, because yeah. that is almost even more important because if you're, if you're doing a 5,000 mile rally, a 1400 mile off-road rally or any of these more extensive, you know, competitions, then yeah, I mean, having somebody that you have great camaraderie with is, is uh, definitely key. Oh yeah. Because that that's just a stressful situation on a normal day. If you're traveling and there's traffic and there's, you know, right. some, uh, if it's not just a leisurely drive, then, you know, there's some stress involved no matter what. So that's really, that's really interesting. Um, I knew about the rebel or rebel. Do you call it rebel? It's rebel. Yeah. Some okay. people think that it's rebel, but I think it's the play on that. So it's Rebel, R-E-B-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. So it's yeah. the Rebel Rally. Yeah. So um, I had heard of that before. I knew there were some, you know, knew it was a, a women's thing. I had never had a chance to talk to anyone about it. So this is pretty interesting for me. So where typically, if you're going to do a 1500 mile um, competition, it's through the desert, it's through woods. What kind of terrain are we talking? 
Uh, you know, it can be varied. It depends. Uh, for the Rebel Rally, um, Emily Miller is the owner and um, the manager of the, the entire rally. This is her baby. Um, she works very closely with the BLM and all sorts of local uh, jurisdictions and offices to make sure that everything's permitted. Um, we never know where the rally takes us, but it's typically in the uh, the um, Nevada and California deserts. And then we end in Glamis Sand Dunes. Oh, um, where the, awesome. old, you know, the old Star Wars was uh, filmed with a crazy sand dune scene. So, yeah. um, so typically that's where it has been. It's been going on for about six years, um, but we never know where it takes us. You know, I don't, and we've had some areas, I've, when I competed in 2018, I remember there was some areas that were somewhat wooden. You went all the way up, uh, up high, up into these hills. And there was a, a guy that was on horseback that was herding several hundred sheep and you had to stop for sheep. <laughs> and, you know, it, but you just never know what you're going to see. So um, right. she always likes to make it a surprise. And Emily does a really good job and, and course director too. Um, and everybody that's uh, in tune with the uh, route itself do a really good job of taking you past some pretty spectacular scenes. If you're on in the right direction, if you're going on time and, you know, on course. Yeah. So. So what do you do about spending the night? So that all depends. Um, if it's the Alcan 5000 rally, uh, they do have motels. Um, you know, the Alcan 5000 is set up kind of like the Olympics. So it's every two years is the winter rally. Then every two years is the summer rally, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in the winter, obviously, they don't want anybody to die because no. you know, we, 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 we didn't see it on a screen. But one of the, the guys that was in a Jeep said it was negative 43 Fahrenheit on his uh, little reader that could barely work <laughs> in his Jeep. So it got dang, dang cold. But, um, you know, when it was to that point, they, has, they have uh, uh, motels that are set up, but they also require for you to bring things if you have to be sleeping in your vehicle overnight. You know, there can be blizzards. We've driven through them, you know, in the Arctic. Um, there could be all sorts of situations, mechanical failures, what have you. Um, lucky enough with our Pajero, our diesel that was never sold here in the States, you know, we did a lot of extensive prep and we had no mechanical issues. Um, we didn't have, you know, we, we did it right, but, you know, we still had our 20 degree bags. We still had our stove that ran on diesel fuel because, you know, regular fuel would, you know, like a little Coleman, you know, thing that would freeze up. So, uh, and we had all sorts of other things just in case, God forbid, we got stuck in our vehicle for multiple hours or even overnight. Um, so the Rebel Rally is a little bit different. Uh, they do tents. So you're basically out there tenting it in the wind, in whatever it is. Um, you do have one night that is overnight away from a big massive base camp where everybody usually huddles and that's called the marathon stage. Um, so basically the teams, once they arrive at where they think it is that they're supposed to be at, um, then they set up, uh, basically their, their camp right next to their vehicle and they sleep with their vehicle or just, you know, next to the other teams that are there. Okay. So have you ever gotten like so off track that you were nowhere near where you were supposed to be or are you most of the time close to close to the route and haven't gotten really like way off track you know we've been um gosh all the competitions that i've done we've been pretty good about being being pretty close um there there was a little bit of touch and go in 2018 as a privateer uh i was with my teammate um elise at the time and i was driving her husband's toyota tacoma uh truck and we were along this road. I, I coined it the Death Canal Road. I did an interesting article via drivingline.com uh, for that piece. And it was this road that was undulating and it was half washed out. And there were bombing range signs that were all to the right. We all knew. I mean, a lot of the times it, it flanks, um, uh, what is it? The Is it 29 Palms, 23 Palms? I can't remember the name. 
Um, I'm not sure. Know, different bomb, bombing ranges and stuff that are out, uh, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and then there was a road sign that was in the middle of the road that said, do not pass, do not go beyond this is active bombing range. And we're like, we, we were the first ones on site and we stopped. We didn't know, should we go? Should we, you know, th this could be a big issue. And, and people have, unfortunately, you know, had been called back to get off of that range because they've turned wrong and they've accidentally gone on. And um, long story very short is there were a few other rebels that they were then behind us and this and this, and some said, all right, screw it. I'm not gonna waste any more time. You know, clock's ticking to get to these checkpoints um, because it's all about getting the points at each checkpoint and the most points wins. Um, and we decided to stay because we didn't want to get in trouble. But, uh, you know, it, it turns out that we could have kept on going um, and they that they said, you know, we could have called on the, the satellite phone at that point and said, hey, you know, we think that we're in the right route. Um, is this OK? This is our what we're having as an issue um, and not have any penalty docked for it. But, you know, you live and you learn. So yeah. I think that was probably the the more stressful times um was just not sure if you're you know ready to head into a live bombing range you know <laughs> yeah that would be a little scary for sure right, so what's, right what's been the most favorite one that you've done where you've gone oh gosh it's really hard to say because everyone is so different and everyone is so unique i've got favorite parts of every one of them okay. um if i had to say one of them right off the top of my head um the Alcan 5000 with my husband with a crazy old diesel Pajero that, you know, was never sold in the United States, you know, saying, yes, okay, we're going to be able to do this and we're going to do it. And we're going to go all the way up to the tippy top of Tuktoyaktuk um, in the Arctic Ocean and see it and finish this rally, which was almost 6,000 miles. It was like 5,100 miles or so and, and succeed in it. And we were the tribute vehicle to the legendary Rod Hall racer. Um, you know, the uh, Rod Hall had competed in a Dodge Raider, which is very similar. It's like a cousin of the Pajero back on, I believe, 86. And the rally owner, Jerry Hines, had said, hey, you know, this is this is coming up. It's a winter rally. You know, he did all of the extremes with his Dodge Raider um, that Dodge put him in. And we want you to be a tribute vehicle. And we said, yeah, for sure, yes. I mean, I never had a chance to meet Rod Hall in person, nor did my husband, Andy, but Emily Miller, the owner of the Rebel Rally and another dear friend of mine, Sue Mead, who was also um, just legendary racer, legendary journalist. Um, she's been doing it for over 35 years. Um, they both were taught by him. Okay. And so when, when we accepted that, it was an extra challenge because we're like, okay, we really can't break down now. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, but it was such an honor. Um, to be a tribute vehicle and to do all the, um, we successfully did all of the um, alternate extremes or the optional extremes. You know, we drove all the way up to Coldfoot when everybody else went to the, the hot springs in, in uh, um, I think it was Fairbanks. Uh, we went all the way up to Coldfoot because that's where they said to go. And we drove, it, it was crazy, very treacherous driving conditions. But we went all the way up there, did that extreme, came all the way back down and did everything else. And we succeeded. Yeah. Um, and, and we, what great memories you have from oh, all of that. Right. I'm sure the scenery and everything has to be just amazing. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, for that trip, um, you know, we saw, my gosh, my first caribou, we saw these, I can't remember the name of the birds, um, these crazy Arctic birds. Uh, we saw moose. We almost hit a moose. Uh, you know, we, we saw all sorts of different things. We literally almost hit a wolf, the biggest wolf I've ever seen in my life. I was in the middle of the road um, playing and one of the guys radioed down saying, hey, just FYI, you know, wherever 
uh, mileage marker that's in our root book, he said there was a wolf that they saw. And it was right in the middle of the road in the blind corner when Andy and I, you know, he, he, we don't have ABS. So he, you know, was trying to steer clear of it and locked it up and we're just kind of skidding sideways towards it. And it just went boom, boop, boop, and just, you know, jumped right off yeah. <laughs> into the distance. But, um, but yeah, the scenery, just seeing encrusted, you know, snow filled trees and, and, you know, driving past the middle of the nowhere, 300 miles with nobody else around. And then seeing, um, um, one of those, um, uh, construction machines, those diggers just sitting there idling with its lights on in the middle of the, the side of the road, you know, just sitting there on because they can't shut it off because if they shut it off, they can't turn it back on again. Right. You know, or the Rebel right. Rally, you know, the Rebel Rally, we saw some really amazing scenery too. You know, a lot of desert scapes that are just forever singed in my brain. And, um, you know, especially with, with the, um, with partnering with VW, um, we have a chance to drive their all wheel drive brand new ID4, which is an all electric vehicle. Nice. So it was really interesting to combine such beautiful scenery with an all electric car. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that's forever burned in my memory because we, we were basically made history as the first all electric crossover to compete that, uh, complete, compete and complete the competition, but to just not hear any sound and then see everything and, and just hear the crunching of the dirt underneath uh-huh. and, and the, the wind that's kind of whipping, you know, uh, across your your windscreen is your, your, you know, windows roll down and, and the crunch of the, just everything it's the rocks. And it just, it was a really interesting dynamic. And I hope that I can compete again in an EV because um, I I'm, you know, just, I found out after doing a lot of research and everything, I'm one of the first few that really have done EV off-roading. You know, the Rivian team has done it for two years now with a prototype uh, Rivian. Uh, the first year in 2020, they did, um, they competed with the very first Rivian that came off the line, the very first prototype. This year, they had a near production ready, uh, uh, late stage prototype. So, and they've done great. Emmy Hall's a, a seasoned racer and rallier too. And she's won the competition a few times before. So um, other than that, in the ID4 with Nora, uh, with that rally, and then the, the, that was a rear wheel drive variant. And then the all wheel drive variant with us in, in uh, the Rebel there hasn't been very many other people. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you've got, um, you know, other more extreme competitions. Um, so of course, like with, with Audi and, and Dakar and stuff like that, but that's like way beyond what, you know, we're kind of running here with either stock or, or somewhat modified vehicles. So, um, right. but it's coming. So the whole oh, yeah. EV, EV off-roading and everything it's it's yeah. Combined with the scenery that just takes it to a whole nother dimension. Well, it reminds me of riding a motorcycle versus a car. So my husband and I, my husband's been a motorcyclist since he was a kid. And so when you ride on a motorcycle out through the country, you can smell the corn and you can hear all the things that you don't notice when you're in a car necessarily. And so when it's quiet and you're not distracted by the sound of your vehicle, you do hear the crunching of the snow and the the wind and everything. And I would think that's just an amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, my husband and myself, Andy, Andy and I talk a lot about travel and a lot about who you meet on the road and the experiences. And, and we're fortunate that we're able to work in the industry that can afford us those types of experiences. And, and he just said it best the other day, he said he has a lot of thanks to his mother 
that said, you know what, we're going to take road trips. Because if you fly, you don't see any of it. You don't see how people live. You don't see the geog- the geography or or the different house styles or food that you taste or any of that type of stuff. So, um, you know, we we constantly try to push our limits and, and <laughs> where you go backwards or sideways or fail miserably, it's all part of it. But, um, you know, it's, and I think for me, I really appreciate being able to write about that. Um, and I write for a whole host of different publications, whether it's um, the New York Times or Forbes Wheels or um, Tread Magazine, AutoWise. I mean, there's a bunch of different outlets that I write for, but a lot of it is is hopefully experiential and inspirational. And, yeah. and, and, and especially talking about women within the industry and people that are making a difference. Um, and so, I'm hoping that any of these types of experiences that I have with Andy or, you know, Rebel or just myself or some of the challenges, some of the many challenges that I've faced, hopefully that can give positivity to somebody and, and make them think about, Hey, maybe I could do something, you know, if it, no matter what it may be. Well, uh, and you know, that's the point. A lot of times of what I want to do is I want to share things that you're doing that women may not know about or may not have heard of or after they hear your story they may think oh this is something I would like to try or I think I can do that even if it's you're the navigator or you're on the team or whatever it might be so that's why I love interviewing women who are doing something different to encourage other women to check it out see what you could do. And I love that, Melinda. I think that that's so important. And and I've fed off of so many other people's energy and, and their experiences because I didn't know, hey, oh my gosh, so-and-so is doing X and I need to be involved in that, whether I'm volunteering or on some sort of a crew or, or covering it for an article or something. I, it just, that's, I think, how a lot of my life morphs into what it is now and, and hopefully what it does for the future. Um, you know, I think and I think just having enough humility to say, you know what, I might fail along the way. And, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of trouble and a lot of long hours and this and this, but you know what, let me just try to keep, you know, pulling myself up by the bootstraps, if that's the right phrase. I always say all the phrases wrong because <laughs> of course, you know, I'm first generation German, but, um, or American, but, uh, <clears throat> but just kind of pulling yourself up and, 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 you know, finding those people that are, are willing to support you no matter what you're in ever maybe on-road off-road you know racing drifting just anything you know motorcycling any of that type of stuff um you know I've got a really interesting article with the New York Times that's going to drop in in a couple of days and I'm excited to share it because I can't really talk about it yet it hasn't published yet but um keep watching uh you know on my social um day and Friday and it, it just it talks about two women, very different walks of life same passion and it's just a really dynamic article and it inspires me and it's those types of things and the people I meet inspire me. And I think that that's such a neat thing and it's, it's just good karma. It's just good energy. And, um, you know, to me, I just, if I can help make somebody's life a little bit different, a little bit better and maybe unexpected in a good way, then I'm doing my job. Yeah, absolutely. So Mercedes, tell me now about your writing is there somewhere that like we could follow, like after you publish an article, let's say the New York Times, how would I know that you did that? Is there someplace I can go to follow you? Yeah, um, so my name is a little bit <laughs> challenging to spell, um, but one of the best ways to find me is uh, via, um, either LinkedIn is a good way, but Instagram 
Um, I have what is called a LinkedIn bio that is a little active link that's on the top of my Instagram page. And that basically takes me to, I link every story to every photo in that area. Okay. So my Instagram is my name. So it's M-E-R-C-E-D-E-S underscore. And then my last name, which is L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. Mm-hmm. So Mercedes underscore Lilienthal. And that'll take you, and I don't post everything, but that'll take you to link and bio, which then you can see anything that I do share out. And a lot of the times it's, you know, the times or auto conduct or auto Y or Forbes or car and driver, those types of things. Okay. All right. Sounds good because I want to start following and reading your articles. I think that's going to be fun and hopefully being able to share those too. Um, oh, I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. That's going to be, that's going to be interesting because I love I love to write, <clears throat> excuse me. And so um, reading other people's is just as interesting and fun to me as, as anything. So t- tell me, do you prefer to navigate or drive? Oh gosh, that's a hard, nobody's ever asked me that. <laughs> that's a hard question. Um, I guess it depends on what it is. If it's traditional navigation mapping compass, I would definitely say drive. Um, I'm not the best. I'm slow at um, taking compass readings and, you know, learning how to plot and all of that type of stuff. It really takes good eyeballs and the know-how and and I just am not there yet. I don't feel like I'm there yet. I have enough to be able to uh, get the job done, but it would take me a long while. Um, and the name of speed as far as efficiency is very important for the Rebel Rally. Um, so with the Rebel, I mean, I, I've driven it twice. I've covered it as media twice. I've done um, on-site in 20, 2019 and 2020 was remotely due to COVID. Um, but I've been writing and you know participating in that rally since 2018, essentially. Um, when it comes to the Alcan 5000 rally, I mean, if I'm with my husband, he's such an awesome driver that he's just, it works best when he drives and I navigate. And it's just, to me, it's a good team. Um, you know, he doesn't do well when he reads in the cars. He's one of those that just gets sick pretty easily. So it's, it's a good fit and it, and it works well. And I think whatever works well and however you feel the most dialed in is, is what's important. So that's what works for me. Yeah. So, so Mercedes, tell me about the rewards at the end of the race. Is it money? Is it trophies? Is it notoriety? Is it the pride of saying I did this and I won? Tell me about that. So for the Rebel Rally, they do hand out trophies for first, second, and third place, uh, whether it's X cross class, which is a crossover class or the four wheel drive class. Um, They also do have like a bone stock award or international cup or things like that, where those are auxiliary um, segments, but they do also have uh, awards for those. Um, There are charity opportunities and I don't, don't quote me, but I, I think it's only certain um, if it's a spirit award or something like that, there's certain segments that if you do get an award that um, X amount of monies go to, goes to a certain charity that you allocate. I don't know um, exactly about that. I'm sure you can find more information on rebelrally.com, um, but it is you know bragging rights. So there isn't a, a cash purse, so to speak, as far as uh, the teams. I think the top teams um, do get uh, entry into the following rally, the next year's rally, or most of it paid for the next year's rally. Um, regarding the Alcan 5000 rally, um, we took second out of two people <laughs> in the historical class, but hey, second, second. That's right. <laughs> um, we also did, uh, we got the finisher awards. Uh, we also got the go farther award. 
um, which is a coveted one because that and the Arctic award, because we did all of the additional optional extreme challenges for driving. Um, so whether that was driving all the way up to Tuktoyaktuk and back down from Inuvik, or another one was, um, I think it was 146 miles of legitimate ice road driving mm. um, and back. Um, and that was just a, a world on its own. I could talk about that for an hour, that just that one experience. But um, so they have plaques. They have really awesome plaques. They had a big polar bear and it said 2020, uh, 2020 Alcan 5000 rally on it. And um, but yeah, I just for us, we got those awards, which we we're very humbled and, and appreciative to receive. Um, I think the rest of it is pretty much bragging rights. <laughs> to say if you're able to even compete and complete the thing is major bragging right for that. So yeah. So is there a rally that's on your bucket list? There are, there are a few of them. Um, you know, it, it's sometimes it's a challenge. I'd love to com compete in them, but I'd also love to cover them as media. So I've yet to get to, uh, to Mexico to see anything like Nora, Sonora or the Baja 1000 or any of those, not necessarily to drive or to compete because that, that, that's, that's serious, like that's serious racing down there, but maybe to run a chase team or to be on somebody's media team or somebody's team as their media um, personnel to be able to help cover them and the event. I'd love to do that. Um, and same with Dakar Rally. Uh, overseas yeah. in Saudi. I mean, we had friends of ours, Sumid, the gal I was just telling yeah. you about. Um, she was team manager of Amy Lerner and uh, Sarah, and I'm going to butcher her last name. I think it's Bosane. Um, and that's her, uh, her teammate from overseas. Uh, Amy Lerner also actually was taught by Rod Hall. This is all coming back to like one central person and that's Rod Hall. Um, Amy Lerner's got a, a, a movie about Rod Hall that literally, I believe, uh, last week or two just got released. Um, and it's called, I believe it's called One More Win. Um, actually, let me look at that because I want to make sure okay. I say that right. All right. Yeah, Sue Mead, I believe, is who mentioned you to me. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is One More Win. So that is uh, okay. Amy, Amy Lerner's um, take and her her baby, her uh, documentary and her movie that she made about Rod Hall. And, um, you know, again, he's, he's touched so many people's lives and so many women's lives that are now racers and are doing some awesome things. And so I have not seen the movie yet myself, um, but I think as far as Amy Lerner, she's so talented. She did the second Dakar. Um, she did great. Uh, my article actually in Forbes Wheels should be coming out here any day. Uh, so I'll be talking a little bit more about her placement and how she and Sarah did uh, even that much better in her Porsche. She's got a vintage Porsche that she was rallying. Uh, and so actually it was a, oh gosh, I'd have to pull up my notes. I think it was like an 80s something um, uh, Porsche that she ran. Okay. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, gosh, talk about dedication and guts to do something like that. Um, they ran the classic car, uh, the classic, um, classic car class or the classic class. Uh, and so it's all, gosh, I should have had that article right up here. That's okay. <laughs> um, I think it's That'll all, give us a reason to read it. Right, right. It's the classic class. And, mm -hmm. um, and that was just, that was just formed last year for, uh, per Dakar. And I want to say it's, don't quote me either pre 1984, 1982 vehicles. So, um, so they are very much more of a, uh, uh, excuse me, um, regularity type rally where it is kind of like a TSD versus going 
fast, hard, as crazy as you can go for the finish line. So it's very much more like a TSD type okay. of a situation. Um, so, you know, again, I would, I would love to be able to get together with some team or something like that and go over to Dakar and, and be able to shoot yeah. that, um, per photography and also cover that as media. So those are at least two, I've got more in the works, something okay. that I can't announce yet, but there's something happening in June that I, I am very excited about. That is uh, also something major, but I just can't talk about it quite yet. All right. Well, you'll have to send me a note. Let me promote it and announce it and stuff when you get it going because yeah, I love we'll to do. what you're doing. Love to we'll share do. what you're doing. Yeah. We'll awesome. do for sure. Yeah, we can definitely link up um, on all the different social media and, and right. uh, all that good stuff. I'll be announcing here hopefully in the next couple of weeks on that. Okay. Sounds good. Well, Mercedes, this has been so interesting. You've taught me so much about rally. Rally rallies, rally racing, whatever we want to call it, rally and time, speed and distance. Um, right. It's really interesting. And I think it's something that women should learn more about. And if they have some interest in, I love that you end up in Glamis. One thing I wanted to ask you was, um, so when, when you race, like if you did the rebel and do you know where you're going to end up or you don't? You don't, you never, and you never know where you're going to end up or where base camp is until your navigator plots it out on the map and says, okay, I think we're going this way. And usually the green checkpoints and base camp are noted um, to help you along to make sure because they don't want anybody to deviate too far off the, the, the intended path. Um, But when you're down in Glamis, I mean, everything's pretty much secret. Uh, So the course, you just, once you get the maps and the navigator starts plotting those points is when you figure out where you are. And I still don't know where I am. (laughs) I have a funny story for you about Glamis. So my husband, we have a dune buggy back at home in Michigan. And, and so my husband, we went to California on a trip and he said, I want to go to Glamis on the way back to Arizona. So we did our little jog and, and we wanted to, he wanted to go to the Glamis store, Hmm. which took us a little bit to find. And it is out in the middle of nowhere and it's run on generators and it was really interesting. But as we were traveling through through the sand dunes of Glamis on mm-hmm. that little two-lane road. Yes, the highway. The highway. <laughs> there's nobody around us anywhere as far as you can see. We were driving my daughter's van and we're driving down the road. And all of a sudden, there was this like boom. And we literally thought the car had exploded. Oh, no. And out the front window we see a jet like yeah, a I was jet yes and um and they were literally right over the top of us I mean wow wow it was so like scary and then exciting and they went over us and then they kind of tipped their wings at us yeah and I said I bet they thought that was a family in that van and they were gonna they were gonna scare him or show him or whatever. But oh, yeah. Um, but we have to laugh about going to Glamis. We did find the store, we got oh, the good. t-shirt, and then we had the crap scared out of us by the airplane. <laughs> but yes. now we're in surprise, Arizona for the winter, and we are close to Luke Air Force Base. Ah. And so the I'm not sure if they're F-22s or what they are, but they they're the ones that come to the racetrack in the formation and then oh, they right right oh my gosh amazing and we love being here and hearing those planes go over and practice it's just it's just awesome but um that's cool i've been to glamis but what i wondered was you know if i knew that 
the rebel was going to end in Glamis or somewhere where I could come, I would be there at the end. And then I could see all the women and, and, you know, that would be fun for me to be able to do that. So right. have to check into that. Yeah, you know, that's, um, you bring up a couple of good points. So for the Rebel Rally, and, and especially due to COVID, um, they used to finish in San Diego. Um, and we'd be right on, on the waterfront where they would have all the vehicles on display and the public could come and see and all of that. I mean, this isn't really a public event. So right. the public can't really follow other than being online. They have trackers on each car. So you can see how the different cars go and you can kind of see where they're at and where the checkpoints are too. So as a person at home, you could definitely see online. Now, because of COVID, they kept the um, base camp and the finish in Glamis but they've they've basically said it's only I don't even know if like direct family went I mean I think direct family some went this year but last year it was pretty much just the teammates and yeah. some of the sponsors and the the crew and so it was very very close knit because yeah. of COVID so right um, those types of things have changed but yeah we used to have it in, in San Diego so in 2018 it was it was pretty cool you're rolling in mud from head to toe and like dirt and just you're disgusting because you haven't showered in like eight days I might not have ever showered on the yeah. rally but um you know and, and you're just like encrusted and crazy but you're, you're there and then all of these people just come and check them all out and you know whether you've got duct tape on on your rear fascia or you've got a you know, broken axle that's welded with whatever you have or, or something like that. I mean, yeah. it's carnage and all. It, it used to be right there. So, well, that's cool. I'm going to have to check out, check that out more and check with the, the owner and everything for the future and see if there's a way to cover that somehow, because that would be really cool to do that. Right. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, you can check out rebelrally.com. That's R E B E L L E.com or well, rebelrally.com. Yeah. Um, and the owner is Emily Miller. So okay. I think they might have, um, you can either do that or go on social media and you can reach out to them via direct messages. I know that they're, they're pretty good about getting back to anybody and everybody. Um, you always just reach out and say who you are and yeah. say that, you know, you want to try to cover this event and what's, what's it all about. And, and they're, they're great about talking to everybody. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, Mercedes, is there anything, I know there's a lot you could talk about, but is there anything <laughs> really obvious that I've missed today asking you about? And maybe we should schedule another podcast to cover something else at some point. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, not, not a thing at all that you've missed, but I think there's something that I'd like to say. Um, you know, to me, I don't know if anybody knows that what their path is or even what their true path is or even intended there are so many people that are my champions that are people I admire and that I get so much inspiration from, whether it's my, my mom, my husband, um, you know, friends and family, um, and people that are total strangers that I follow their path. Um, without that, nobody's got anything. And without the, the desire to have persistence, perseverance, and just I guess guts or stupidity, one or both, <laughs> to try to try something new and put yourself out of your comfort zone. And, you know, I still am afraid of failure to some degree, but for me, it's like, you know what, I've learned so, so much through my failures and through challenges to keep pushing on. And I learn that much more and it makes me stronger and yeah. to figure out, you know, what works, what doesn't work and your path that you're trying to take to get to you know, Z might take you backwards, sideways, loop-de-loops and all over the place, but eventually you might make it to Z or you might make it to X spot, but you might think that, oh my God, X is like where you really want to be in life, but you just never knew because you were trying to have your trajectory, right. trajectory to Z. So 
um, I don't know why I've got all of this like algebra stuff going on in my brain. I don't know, but, but it's you're, a, you're so you're so right. And you know, it's funny. My son-in-law um, is a baseball train. He trains baseball pitchers. He was a baseball pitcher, and we just had a conversation last night about finding our passion. Mm, and cool. he works long days. He works six, seven days a week. You know, he owns his own business, which is not always easy. Right. Um, and yet he, you know, like last night I was at their house. I'm going to be babysitting the next couple of days. Um, my daughter's birthday is coming up. So he's taken her to Disneyland. Oh, fun. She is a Disney travel expert. She does all kinds of travel or uh, agent things, but Disney is her um, expertise and her passion. Oh, fun. And so he took some days off to take her there, but we were talking last night. He got home at 11 o'clock. I don't know what wow. time he went to work, but it was in the morning. And I said, John, are you tired? He said, no. He said, I love what I do. That's and, awesome. And he said, I really ha I haven't hit that yet, you know? And, and so I love seeing that. And, and he said, you know, we were talking about, I have that for motorsports, especially for women in motorsports. You have that for what you do. And if you'd have asked me 10 years ago, if this is what I'd be doing, I would have shaken my head and said, are you crazy? <laughs> and same, so, with me. same with me. It's So we never know where our path's going to lead. But then when I look back and I look at different things that I've done or, you know, I owned a weekly newspaper for 10 years. That prepared oh, cool. me for my digital magazine and for my interviewing for the podcast and, and just the different things that I like to do or that I've done in the past have given me the experience and things to do what I'm doing now, but I would have never dreamed that this yeah. is what I'd be doing. And that's, that's so well said, Melinda. I, I absolutely, I hold that, that type of truth to my heart because mm -hmm. I, I never, for me, little old me, little old small town girl that grew up in an unincorporated town in central Wisconsin, never in a million years would have thought that, you know, I'd be doing what I'm doing now, but, yeah. but it took me a near 20 year career in commercial interior design and project management for me to realize, oh, wait a second, you know, I had, I have a lot of creativity, but I'm also very analytical, which I both hate and love that about me. Me, I'm detailed yeah. and analytical, but I never realized I could be creative with interior spaces and, you know, be holistic in that manner, but then transfer a lot of those skills to words and cars and be creative with my writing. I just, uh -huh. you know, it, it never, I mean, I'm 46 right now. And it took me until actually very recently to realize that, yeah, you know what, I can still feed the insatiable need of, of wanting to learn and, and wanting to be creative, but still try to make a difference in however I can and organically have that happen in a manner I never would have expected. Right. And it, sometimes it might, it might hit somebody at age 15. It may, might hit somebody at age 82. We just don't know. It's just the, yeah. the, I guess the openness of allowing yourself to try something different mm -hmm. and you can always go back to it. I, I sound like a broken record, but you can always go back to what it was. If you don't like whatever you're trying to do. Yeah, you know, yeah. if anything, it, it, it teaches you something. It teaches you, maybe I don't want to go down that path, or maybe I don't want to be an architect, or I don't want to do this or that, or maybe you do, or maybe you just go, oh, oops, that happened. But then, oh, wow, there's a whole new thing that I didn't know about. And uh -huh. um, so I guess for me is, is you know, if I can help some anybody um, to say, oh, hey, well, 
maybe I could try something different or, you know, you know, if I'm stuck in a dead end job or I hate where I live or this or that, or, or I've never tried a certain food, um, try it, try it. You might love it. You might. And right. I never used to be that way. It just yeah. it took whatever it took to, you know, maybe, maybe it's a cross country move and then starting to getting into off-roading where, you know, we put ourselves way out there because we didn't really know how to work on four by four cars. We, you know, Andy's an awesome mechanic now. He does almost all of our work on our, our vehicles and he's learned so much. And I think throughout a lot of that is like, wow, yeah, we, there's still a lot to learn. There's still a lot to do. Yeah. It's just how you want to go about it, which is what the key is. Exactly. And it's to always be willing to learn. Yeah. I love, I yeah. love learning. I've got so many things I'm 66. I just turned 66 in December. Awesome. And I've learned, I'm, I'm teaching myself. Um, I taught myself Canva, which wasn't hard because I have a design background. I'm teaching myself about StreamYard. I'm teaching myself some things about SEO. I took a course on how to write a course. Awesome. So I've, just, I've just written a course and haven't launched it yet for racetrack owners. Actually, it's for entertainment venues, but geared towards racetrack owners. It's called the Inside Track um, Partnerships, Promotions, and Profitability for Entertainment Venues. Wow. Parentheses, racetracks. And I'm just, I'd love to learn. And so if you can always be open at any age to learn something new, you just never know where life's going to take you. I think you nailed it right on the head is, is be open to learn anything new. That, that literally is the quintessential quintessential bit of this whole discussion is is just it is you know be be open don't be afraid to fail and just you never know where the world will take you if you just be humble and open enough to let it right well I can't say it any better than that Mercedes so um, thank you so much for being on the show with me I really appreciate it and I definitely want you to stay in touch because sure. I want to know where you are what you're doing and how can I come and cover you <laughs> about well, what would, you're doing. I would love nothing more, Melinda. It was um, it was a pleasure being on your show. There's a lot coming down the pipeline. Um, you know, for people that are interested in in um, following along with my husband and myself, we do have um, aside from our work jobs, or he also is a, a talented journalist um, on his off hours. Uh, but aside from all of that, we cover our own outlet called Crankshaft Culture. So it's either crankshopculture.com. We've got a very active Facebook community where it's a group where you can come in. Anybody's accepted because every vehicle to us is an adventure and we're all united by horsepower. Um, but we also are on Instagram, uh, a bit on YouTube and also Facebook, but you can find me via my name. Um, and then in Twitter, I'm writer with grit. So you can okay. follow, follow along or if anybody else wants to follow along and you'll see all my crazy road to wherever I end up heading. That's awesome. <laughs> <No one knows. laughs> that's awesome. I'm going to be following you. So that's great. Well, Mercedes, thank you again so much. And we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It was a great pleasure. When you can't be at the racetrack to follow your favorite driver, Log into My Race Pass on your phone and you'll be able to follow all the action no matter where you are. My Race Pass provides stunning technology to grassroots motorsports for the most data-packed, instantly updated, race-related content engaging all motorsports enthusiasts. Get live timing and scoring on race day with My Race Pass Live. Any My Race Pass track or series that utilizes transponders will have their lap times displayed in the app. You can even check out historical lap times to see if drivers are faster or slower than last year. Subscribe to My Race Pass today and tell them Melinda from the IWMA sent you.
Thank you for listening to the Racing Girls Rock Podcast, brought to you by the Women's Motorsports Network.